it's a, a housewarming party. Maybe you move into a new house and you have your friends around to see you, and that's a housewarming party. Now, the Old Testament parties were also to celebrate really big occasions. They were just a little bit different. They weren't normally birthdays or weddings. And the cool thing is, God's parties had some really special rules to them. And to make sure that his people knew exactly what they had to do for these parties, God had these rules written down in the Bible. So the people could pick up their Bible, they could read them whenever they want, and they could find out exactly what they needed to do at these parties, how God wanted them to live. Now, one of these books in the Bible is called the book of Leviticus. It was written by Moses, and it had a lot of these rules that God wanted his people to obey. How many children here today have read the book of Leviticus? Hands up. I was expecting none. How, how many adults have read the book of Leviticus? A few. Very impressive. How many, how many adults have decided, I'm really keen to read the Bible from start to finish, and they've got through the book of Genesis, it's gone well, got through Exodus, really interesting, got to Leviticus, and everything's just completely fallen apart. I, I don't think you're alone if you're in that book. It is quite a tough book to read. But in this book, God talks about seven different festivals, seven different parties that his people had to celebrate every single year. So that's pretty cool. There were seven guaranteed parties they were having every year. And we're going to look at two of those parties this morning, and we're going to find out why God wanted these parties to happen. So I'm going to ask Anna if she can come up to the front. Anna's going to read about the first party now. It's from Leviticus chapter 23. It will be up here. Um, and she's going to read that. And then afterwards, I'm going to ask you guys why this party happened. So, so for the children especially, listen carefully and see if you can tell me why this party happened after the reading, Bertie, not before. You're going to need the reading first. Okay, the reading comes from the 23rd chapter of Leviticus, beginning at verse 9. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land I am going to give you, and you reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. He is to wave the sheaf before the Lord, so it will be accepted on your behalf. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. On the day you wave the sheaf, you must sacrifice as a burnt offering to the Lord a lamb a year old without defect, together with its grain offering of one-fifth of an ephah of the finest flour mixed with olive oil, a food offering presented to the Lord, a pleasing aroma, and its drink offering of a quarter of a hen of wine. You must not eat any bread, roasted or new grain, until the very day you bring this offering to your God. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. Great. Thank you so much, Anna. Okay, so quite a tough little passage. Any ideas from any of the kids? What was this party for? I see some hands over there. Yes, girls. It was something to do with harvest. That is absolutely great. Um, just to encourage decent answer giving, we'll throw a few of these out. Okay, they'll get there on the catching. There are a few more of these, so keep on chipping in. So yes, there were quite a few clues that it's harvest. You've brought the food up, so you know it's something to do with harvest. Now, the Bible translators, the people that put this together later on and translated it and put some headings in as well, and that serves as a really nice clue. So if we add the heading in, yes, that has worked, we can see the clue there as well. It says offering the first fruits. So it's something to do with the 
first fruits. And there's a particular part of the passage as well that I was hoping to highlight in yellow, but I see that hasn't worked on this, on this um, format. Um, so I'm just going to read it instead. Um, it's the part that says, when you enter the land I am going to give you and you reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. So this party was to do with the start of the harvest, right at the start, the first fruits that were picked. Now, it would have been about the same time of the year as now. So summer's ending, autumn is about to begin, the leaves are just starting to change colors round about now. And the grain and the wheat would all be growing out in the fields. They'd be just about ready to be cut. There'd be fruit growing on the trees, nice and big and juicy and ready to be picked. And so what happened at this party? Well, we have said it was a little bit different to birthday parties. They weren't playing past the parcel. There were no sweetie bags. Instead, everyone would gather together, just like we have today. Everyone would come together, and the priest would wave a sheaf of grain. Now, if there are any farmers here today, I don't know if there are, they would tell us that barley is always the first crop that's ready. So it would be barley that they would use, and the priest would wave it around. It would probably look something like this. So there'd be a sheaf of barley and the priest would wave it around. Quite a strange party so far, I'm sure you'll agree. And that wasn't all the priest had to do. He had quite a busy day. He also had to sacrifice a few things. Sacrifice means offer them to God as a present. Now, if you listen carefully to the passage Anna read, you'll know what those different things the people had to bring that they had to sacrifice. So I'm going to put a few pictures up and you guys can tell me if there are things that had to be sacrificed or not. So first up, a lamb. Who can tell me? Did they have to sacrifice a lamb or not? I see some hands over there. Yes, boys? Yes, they did. Correct. Let's check our answer. Yes. See, that's not turning up very well as well, but yes. Okay, let's see if I can throw it all the way to the back. Here it comes. Okay. Sorry, that was my bad throw, not your bad catching. Okay, next one. We have a grain offering. Did they have to sacrifice a grain offering? Emily, right at the back. You're going to be tasting my arm. Yes, they did. Okay, let's see if this works out. Oh. There we go. Hopefully we don't cause any damage to the church. Okay, next up. We have bedtime stories. Did they have to sacrifice their bedtime story? Did everyone have to bring their favorite book, Phoebe Barnes? No, they did not. Great catch. And last one. Did they have to sacrifice wine? Did they have to bring a drink offering? Yes, Lily. Yes, they did. And I can even bring a few. So those are some of the things they had to sacrifice at this party. So they'd all be bringing all these things in. It must have been absolute chaos in the temple that day as they brought all these animals in. And you'll notice it's all things that farmers had to produce. It's all things from the farm that were being brought to this festival, to this party. Now the question is, why did God want this to happen? Well, he wanted to celebrate the start of harvest. And he wanted the people to say thank you to him Thank you to God for the food that he had provided. Now in those days, there wasn't a Tesco or Sainsbury's just down the road. You couldn't just pop down there and buy the food you needed. Every little bit of food they ate was produced by farmers. So they worked really, really hard to get this food. And there were also a lot of things that could go wrong. So imagine one year 
there wasn't enough rain. There was a drought. Their crops would probably look something like that. That doesn't look very good, does it? They'd go hungry that year. Or what if the opposite problem happened? What if there was too much rain and you have a flood and then you're not going to get a great crop that year? Maybe the animals they had on their farm would get diseases, get sick. Maybe they would die. Maybe there would be a fire coming through and burn all their crops down and then they'd go really hungry that winter. Maybe there'd be hail. Maybe there'd be frost. Maybe thieves would come and steal some of the animals. Any farmer can tell you there's a lot of different things that can go wrong when you're trying to grow food. So when the people got to this day, when they got to the start of harvest, and they picked that first bit of fruit, and they looked out over their fields, and they saw loads more food ready to be picked, they would have been so grateful. And so God said, guys, you need to have this party, you need to come and have this festival, and you need to say thank you to me for what I've provided. I'm going to read the last verse again, um, verse 14, which says, You must not eat any bread or roasted or new grain until the very day you bring this offering to your God. This is to be a lasting ordinance for generations to come, wherever you live. So this says, God's people cannot eat any food from the harvest until the offering has been done. So on the one hand, you've got eating this delicious food that's just ready. On the other, you've got saying thank you to God. Now, which one of those two has to come first? Yes, yes, yes. Any answers? Yes. Yes, the thank you comes first. I've already given you chocolate, so for your folks' sake, I won't give you another one, but that answer is 100% correctly. We say thank you first, and then we get to eat the food. It's just like today when we say meals, at, when we say grace at mealtimes, we always say thank you first, and then we eat the food afterwards. And the reason we do that is because it's so important to thank God before. It's not just something we think about afterwards and, oh, by the way, thank you, God, for the food. It needs to happen before. So the question is, for all of us now, living thousands and thousands of years later, what should we learn from this? We don't have parties like that anymore, and that was obviously a long time ago. Is there anything we should learn from it? Anyone want to have a guess? Yes, Lola. Yes, 100%. There we go. Oh, straight over to Andy. Andy can pass it down to you. Sorry, bad throw. Yes, that is 100%, Lola. Um, God is saying he wants us to say thank you. He's the one that gives us food to eat every single day. And we need to be thankful to him. And there are so many different ways that we can say thank you. There's all the different languages we can say thank you in. There's a few different doggies saying thank you. There's some flowers. Basically, the whole world needs to be saying thank you to God. That's what we learn from the first party. So that's the first party. That's one done and dusted. Now the next party was exactly 50 days away. So it's only 50 days from the first party to the next one, the second party that we're going to learn about. So about seven weeks. So for those of you in school, that's about from the start of term to your half-term holidays. That's roughly how long that would have been. So only 50 days, but it would have been a very, very long 50 days. And the reason for that is these 50 days would have included a lot of hard work. All the fruit is ripe on the trees. Everything grown in the ground is ready to be dug up. But it all needs to be picked. It all needs to be washed. It all needs to be carried to the barns. It all needs to be stored away. 
there would have been so much hard work these guys had to do. And this hard work done over summertime, that would have happened until quite recently, maybe about 100 years ago. So when I say to you summer holidays, what are the first things you guys think about? What do summer holidays involve these days? I'm looking for hands of people who haven't answered yet, who want to give an answer. Isabella, yes. What do you think of for summer holidays? You probably think camping trips because we did a few of those this summer, hey. Anyone else want to? Yes, Lola. Sorry? Water fights. Yes, that's a great thing to think of. Haley? Beach. Um, India? Yes, we think of amazingly fun holiday things, don't we? We probably think of something like this. We've got a girl there eating an ice cream. That looks fun. We've got a boy there. He's got a bucket and spade. He's on the sand. Even the sun is wearing sunglasses. They're all having such a good time. That is a good summer holiday. But things were a little bit different back in the old days. Their summer holidays would have looked more like this. In the old days, this was the busiest time of year. This is when everything had to be done. And even the kids got roped in for some pretty hard work. So did you guys know that the reason that summer holidays happen when they do, the end of July till about early September, is because that's when the harvest all needed to be picked. And there was so much work to be done that parents couldn't just leave their kids sitting in school. They'd pull them out of school and say, come, you need to come and help work on the farm and get everything done. And that's why summer holidays happen when they do, so that everyone could get involved in the work. And so this work would have carried on for 50 days, seven weeks, and at the end of this hard work, God says, Guys, you need to have another party. There's another festival to celebrate all of this. And God talks about this party. There's the rules laid out for this party in the same chapter in Leviticus 23. And this one was called the Feast of the Harvest. It was also called the Feast of Weeks because it was seven weeks from the last one. So the Feast of Weeks. Now, instead of reading that out, I'm just going to explain some of the rules for this party. And just like the last party, the people had to bring things to it. So everyone would arrive at the temple and they would all be bringing things. And this time, for this party, they had to bring even more things to say thank you to God. So it was the Feast of Weeks and they had to bring, how many loaves of bread did they have to bring to this party? Yes, India. Yes. There we go. And... How many lambs did they have to bring? Who can count the lambs? They had to bring male lambs. How many lambs did they have to bring? Yes, Joel. Yes. There we go. Um, what else did they have to bring? They had to bring a bull. I mean, that must have been pretty hard work. Imagine dragging a big bull into church with you. They had to bring some rams. That means male sheep. They had to bring two of those and they had to bring a grain offering, and they had to bring a drink offering. So that family would have been absolutely loaded down arriving into church. They would have brought a lot of stuff that day. Now, why did the people need to bring all of these things? Well, God had provided the harvest, just like the first party, and the people needed to thank them. And this festival was a great way for them to once again remember and once again thank God. It's just like if you go to a birthday party today, you're probably going to take a present for the person whose birthday it is. Maybe a nice card where you've written something sweet. 
It's almost the same thing. These people are bringing something to God. This is now the end of autumn. So this is now the time where they've picked everything, they've finished with all of that. They're now looking ahead to a long, hard winter. And this food that they've picked is what's keeping them alive over the winter. So they need to be very, very thankful to God. And at the end of this, the, the rules for this party, there's one interesting verse that I want to read out. It's Leviticus 23 and it's verse 22. And it says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings, that means the kind of leftover bits, the part that you miss on the first time around. Do not gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. What was God telling them, them in this verse? Who, who wants to have a guess? Anyone know? This is a little bit of a tricky one. I see no hands now, even with chocolates on the line. Bertie, do you want to try? Share food. Bertie, 100%. Well done. Oh, so close, Bertie. Would have been a great catch. Yes, that is 100%. He's telling them to share food. God is saying, don't pick all of the food. Leave some for people who are poor and need it. Why do you think God gives them this instruction? He's giving it to them to say that they need to be thankful. And one of the ways to be thankful is to be generous to other people. Who here has heard of the expression, sharing is caring? I see lots of hands. That's great. We've all, we've all heard of that expression. That is very, very true. And that is what God is telling us to do here. So once again, the application, we're living a long time after this party, but there's still something we can learn about it today. What do we learn? Yes, Izzy. Yes, sharing is caring, sharing food. There you go. So close. God is telling them sharing is caring, just like these guys, sharing their stuff nicely. If I had to guess, I would say these photos were probably taken a little bit before COVID times. <laughs> and they are sharing beautifully. Sharing is caring. When we realize everything we have is a gift, gift from God, we want to be just like him. God is generous to us, and we want to be generous to other people. So on the one hand, we want to share with other people who've got less than us. And in London, there are lots of people that don't have enough food to eat. There are lots of people that don't have homes to sleep in. And we want to be sharing with them. And then we also want to be generous to God. God's given us absolutely everything, and we need to give some of that back to him. So that's why we give to the church, and we give to different mission work, and work that God is doing around the world. We need to share. Okay, so what have we learned so far? I know we've covered quite a lot. What have we learned so far? Yes, Haley. Yes. Cool. I think the first thing we've learned is that people had a lot of parties in the old days, which was pretty cool. And we've also learned that some of those parties were quite weird. Lots of wheat being waved around and animals all over the place. And then in terms of lessons for us, we've learned two things. We've learned that we need to say thank you, um, and we've learned that we need to share with others. We need to be generous with others. And I think there's a third thing we can learn as well. Who thinks that that third lesson is that we should all bring animals into church and start some sacrifices. You can maybe get a little fire going in this area over here. I don't think Andy will mind. Bring in the cows. Yes, Vicky thinks that's a great idea. Cool. Does anyone else think that that's what we should learn from this passage today? Yes, one or two hands. I'm afraid 
you guys are wrong. That is not what we're learning today. Fun though that would be, that's not what we're learning here. God still loves parties. Don't worry about that. Heaven is going to be an amazing, amazing party. All God's people are going to be there. It's going to last forever. It's going to be a massive party. We should look forward to that. But when we want to say thank you to God, it's not by having a big party with, with wheat and animals. So what should we learn? Well, Jesus says that the whole Bible is about him. He says every little verse of the Bible, however random, however tucked away, it actually points to Jesus. And that includes the book of Leviticus, however challenging that may seem. So the question for us, and this is probably a decent challenge for all the adults as well, is how does this point us to Jesus? How does this, these festivals, how does this passage in Leviticus point us to Jesus? It's probably quite a tough question, but thankfully, there's a verse in the New Testament that helps us make sense of this. If we look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, it says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. So for any people who were familiar with the Old Testament, reading this verse, they would have, their mind would have straight away jumped. First fruits, they would have jumped straight back to this passage in Leviticus and tied it up with Jesus. So the, the question is, what are these first fruits? Why, are they, why is Jesus described as one? Well, we saw in the Old Testament, we saw in those passages we read, that first fruits are a taste of what is to come. So picture that first party, the guys are having the first little taste of food, they can see all the other food there waiting to be harvested. It was a first fruit of the food that's going to come. It's like if you go into a restaurant or at home, you have some nice food and you taste it, you have that first taste and you know you've got a delicious rest of the meal coming your way and it's absolutely delicious. I've put pretty much all the foods up there so everyone should be able to find their favorites somewhere on that page. And you have that taste and you cannot wait for the rest. The only one I don't really understand is up on the top left. I don't know if you can see it clearly. It's sort of a fish sandwich. I don't know if anyone's had one before. I, I left it in there, but it's, it's very, very strange. I doubt that's anyone's favorite. But I think the, the hamburger and the pizza in the middle and the pancakes is probably more, more where people's favorites are. So you have that first taste and you know you've got the rest to come. It's delicious. Or it's like a trailer for a movie. Who's watched a trailer and you see that advert for the movie and then you know the rest is gonna be amazing and makes you wanna go watch the movie. So he has a few different movie titles. You watch the trailer and you go, mom and dad, I really wanna watch that movie. The rest of it looks like it's going to be amazing. Now in this passage, in this verse, they say Jesus is a first fruit. Why would the Bible call Jesus a first fruit? That is a very, very tough question. Anyone want to venture a guess? Yes, Lola at the back. I think almost, I think you're heading in the right direction. It's because Jesus is a taste of what is to come for us. Now, normally, when people die, they stay dead, don't they? If someone dies, they stay dead. That's, that's how it works. But when Jesus died, he did not stay dead. He rose up to life again. So Jesus died, he was buried in that cave, he stayed there, he was buried for three days, but then he rose up again. So he's alive today, he's in heaven. And he is a first fruit for all of us. The Bible here says he is a first fruit for all Christians. 
So Jesus rose again to life. We are also going to rise to life again. So one day we're going to get old. We're going to get to the end of our lives. We're going to die. But because of Jesus, we know that that is not the end. We're going to rise again. We're going to be alive. We're going to live in heaven forever and ever. So Jesus is that first fruit. He shows us that life after death is real. Death is not the end. And he also shows us that heaven is real. Heaven's a place to look forward to. Okay, so as we sort of wrap things up and conclude, we learn that the people of Israel all those years ago, they had their first fruits festival. That was to celebrate the start of harvest, to celebrate food coming their way. We don't celebrate that. We don't bring animals into the temple or church. But we can celebrate Jesus, who's risen to life again. And he is the first fruit for us. Okay, so summarizing what we've learned. I think there's three things that we've learned. Who wants to, who wants to guess some of the things we've learned here? Yes, Bertie. Okay, enthusiastic hand. <laughs> Jesus died in a cave, that is one thing. Yes, Lola at the back. Wait, sorry, I didn't hear that. Be thankful. Yes, that is the first one. I'll give you guys both sweets for giving out answers. Say thank you. That is definitely the first one. What's the second thing we learned? Who can remember? What's the second thing we need to remember today? Haley and Amelie. Yes, and Amelie. Yes, that's the third point we're going to. That's the third point. The second one is share, yes. Haley? Okay, does anyone still want chocolate who doesn't have chocolate? I feel like I've dished out quite a bit here. Yes, Rob at the back. See if we can reach you, Rob. <laughs> Stolen by your daughter. Um, yes, so the second thing is be generous to others. And the third is celebrate Jesus as a first fruit. I think Amelie was saying it. Celebrate Jesus as a first fruit because he shows us that there's life after death. Um, that is the end of what we have to talk through on the passage. So I'm going to close off in prayer now, and then we're going to sing after more prayers. Let's, let's quickly close off in prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you provide us with food every day. Thank you that you provide and you sustain us, and we need to look to you every single day for what you give us. Thank you further, Jesus that you are described as the bread of life. Thank you that we can see in this passage that you are a first fruit and that you show us there's life after death. There's heaven to look forward to. In your name we pray all these things. Amen.